Welcome to the Splinters Podcast from the team on the bench. Community Radio's leading no-holds-barred Friday night sports show. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the Raging Bull, Anthony Caruso. Good evening and welcome to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming live on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available on podcast.com, Apple iTunes, Samsung Play Store, TuneIn and wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, we do this all for our sponsors at Magpies Waitara and the Sydney Bears. This is the Raging Bull, Anthony Caruso, and tonight we close off what has been another enthralling nine months of football action across Europe. There was some changing of the guard moments throughout Europe, all England finals for the UEFA Champions League and Europa League, and accusations and investigations about the conduct of clubs, where have we heard that before? When we start to talk football, there is one person we always bring in to help us navigate the rich tapestry that is Europe, and it is one person who is probably celebrating harder than anyone else after his beloved Aston Villa earned promotion back to the English Premier League via the $63 million match. And that is the Italian styling himself, Dom Rosito. Dom, good evening. Good evening, Caruso. Yes, still coming down from the high that was Aston Villa's triumphant return to the Premier League last weekend. Um, had quite a few too many beers that night, but it was all worth it in the end. But yeah, what a year of football we've had as you mentioned at the top just before all England finals in the Premier League uh, for the from size in the Premier League and just been an incredible amount of goals that have been scored and and events and circumstances in between that have just made this year one of the best years in football. Now, tonight uh, we're going to cover off the five leagues we don't usually get to cover during our regular Friday night show. Of course, we do a lot with the Premier League. We do give a bit of mention as well to the Football League Championship um, because that often has a big impact of what's going to be happening in the Premier League. So we're going to be covering the La Liga, the French League 1, the Italian Serie A, the German Bundesliga, and one of our favourites, the Dutch Eredivisie. Yeah, all fantastic leagues in their own right. Don't often get the uh, the publicity that uh, the English Premier League gets, but there's some amazing talent across uh, those five leagues that we just mentioned. Uh, and I, we can't wait to get stuck into how they all finished up uh, in what was, in some of the divisions, quite an entertaining race for, for trophies this year. Now, we'll also wrap up the UEFA Champions League, uh, the Europa League, and we'll, might if we get time, we might look at uh, what's shaping up for a big year in 2019-20, uh, in particular as everyone prepares for Euro 2020. Yeah, massive uh, competition next year. Obviously, the, uh, the tournament uh, qualifiers will... I've been done and dusted. We've probably got there's probably still a few more to play. See who goes through and who doesn't for the respective sides that finish second in their group. We've got the obviously there's obviously coming up, which we if we have time to talk about is the 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 final for the UEFA Nations League yeah. uh, coming up. That's going to play a big impact. Going to play a big part in this. Uh, coming tournaments uh, in 2020. So this, like I said, football never stops. And I think that's what makes this sport such an amazing sport. Now, Don, what are we going to look at for each of the leagues? Well, we're going to look at, so sick back, so we're going to talk about um, all the fantastic stuff about the Champions League, who qualified, cup winners, relegation and promotion as well. Don't forget, we'll talk about the sides that are going to be coming up and the sides that will be going down in their respective divisions. Uh, we're going to talk about awards. So we're talking goal scorers, best clean sheets, most sin bins, well, yellow cards and send-offs, I should say. Well, of course, the sin bin has now been introduced in some of the leagues in um, in New South Wales via the yellow card for descent. So that's, yeah. that's going to be fast. That's it for another day, but that's a fascinating discussion. That. And, of course, you know, we'll talk about uh, a lot of uh, competitions introduced VAR this year. We'll see how that's uh, 
come into European football and how it's uh, worked out for the various teams across uh, across the, the the globe or the continent, we should say, in this situation. And of course, we'll talk about the big news from all the leagues. We'll talk maybe if there's any signing news that we can get across. There's going to be already. A few, there's a few of them already in. So so sit back with your favourite round ball and scarf and strap yourself in for a whirlwind tour of Europe right here on Splinters. And we're going to start off with La Liga. Well, La Liga. Uh, uh, some would say uh, one of the, the best league in the world. Some, well, I would say the one of the sec- second best league in the world, but a fantastic competition. Um, unfortunately, there was a big surprise this year in particular with the spiral of a certain European juggernaut um, who did not match the standards that they usually set themselves, which again opened up a sort of monopoly in the league but it still offered many surprises further down the further down the field well let's go through it because of course the champions league group stages spain in their current position they get four automatic group stages such as the strength of the competition but it was barcelona who won the league um with 87 points uh 26 wins nine nine draws and three losses 90 goals scored during the season it's not bad but it's not what we've seen from barcelona in the past Atletico Madrid, a very strong second place. Um, Diego Simeone um, continues to uh, have this team punching above their weight. But of course, as you mentioned at the top, Real Madrid has been thoroughly disappointing and all the talk was going to be around how the club was going to go not only post Zinedine Zidane but also post Cristiano Ronaldo well yeah look it didn't go very well for them in the end they were knocked out in the Champions League I think in the round of 16 to, yep. to Ajax they were dis- become a disappointing third at some point people were thinking that they might not even finish in those Champions League positions that's how poorly they were doing they brought Zidane back late on to try and resurrect their season He's done an okay job in doing what he could with a side that were clearly down on confidence with certain players that he didn't really want there. Expect them to spend a lot of money coming into the next season, bringing in some off-field talent, um, which will surely make them better. But they actually, for the first time in probably a very long time, will have to at least go through the qualification process for the Champions League despite finishing third. Well, no, no, they're going straight to the, are going straight to the group stages, so they'll be okay there. Um, a couple of quick mentions, of course, the Cups. Copa del Rey was won by uh, Valencia, caused their own little boil over um, in that. Yeah, they did. They beat Barcelona, who actually, had, surprisingly, in all the Cup competitions, uh, had quite a few falls. Obviously, they're... Their big fall was in the Champions League to Liverpool um, when they went down 4-0 at Anfield after leading 3-0 in the first leg. Um, they went down 2-1 to Valencia, who who were already on their way to the Champions League. Um, but, of course, that little extra sweetener for them, picking up that domestic title. And, indeed, and of course, the other one is the uh, not so much so not so well known is that they do have a secondary cup competition and that was won by Sevilla but um, they already guaranteed their spot in the Europa League but it means that we get to see the return of a club that we don't normally get to see in Europe yeah Espanyol and even for the even for them uh, I'm just a few a bit above them Getafe who uh, haven't been in Europe for a very long time or, or ever for that matter um, they almost finished in a Champions League spot that, that Getafe side Two points behind Valencia. They fell just at the back end of the season. They had a really tough run. They had to run into Barcelona and Atletico Madrid on the way home, um, which unfortunately they suffered defeats to. Who's been relegated? Well, we talk about relegation and, well, it was... uh, 
tight in the end to see who was going to go down, but they, the sides in the end were, it was quite convincing. Girona, Hushkaska, and Rayo Valicano are the sides to all go down, respectively, from 18th down to 20, 20th. Um, disappointing seasons for them. Like they again, they just defensively they weren't that great. But apart from Girona, who actually were one of the better defensive sides in this competition uh, uh, this year, but well, in and around that decent mark. But again, you can't really say much about these three sides. It's usually, especially in Spain, it seems to be quite uh, quite consistent with the seasons that go teams that go down and, and go up. But once yep. they come up, they they do struggle to stay in the competition. Now we've seen um, some surprises over the last few years about teams going down, and this year uh, the team that really did flirt with it was Celta Celta Vigo, almost going down, and in fact. We've got to make mention as well because Athletic Bilbao at one stage were in the relegation zone for a, for a fair time but recovered well. Yeah, well, Athletic Bilbao have fade, had obviously fallen off their perch from a, a few seasons back. We've discussed this before, how, how they were once in that Europa League um, finals quite often and they fell dramatically. And as we said, they went pretty much were down as far as around 19th. But a, a magical resurgence in the back half of the season. Almost saw them qualify for Europe again, but they just missed out on goal difference. But it's good to see that them that they a side like Athletic Bilbao are up right up where they should be in this competition. So who is confirmed for promotion? So we're looking at for promotion this year, well, for next year, career. So we've got Osasuna, who have been confirmed. Uh, with oh, John, John Aloisi's old club. That's right, John Aloisi. He's actually been back there a few. We've seen, if you watch Shop to Sport, they've done a few documentaries on him returning to uh, to the old. And they love him. And they do, yeah. He's an old favourite of theirs. Um, another automatic promotion is Granada. They're back up in this top division in the La Liga uh, after having a couple of uh, seasons out. And also, along with them, you have Alcaronon and Lugo uh, in the last two who should respectively win both to go through. Now, at the at the top end of the ladder, there's a couple of um, big talking points uh, from it. Now, Barcelona, they won the competition last year, but they're already talking about who they're going to be signing next year. Uh, They've already confirmed that they've um, they're going to be raiding Ajax, and that just seems like a natural progression these days. It does. It's it's ever since uh, the relationship between Johan Cruyff and has obviously obviously playing for Barcelona and then going to become a technical director at, at at Ajax. He's formed that relationship there, where a lot of their players, best players, go there. They've already signed Luke de Jong, who will go over there, and uh, he will slot right in and. Essentially, they'll hope he will become the next Chavi, the next Iniesta in that side. They'll look into bringing Matthias De Litt, who has been uh, a sensation at the back for them this year, the youngest captain, uh, youngest player to ever captain his side to a UEFA Champions League semi-final. And if you look back at the, that game in particular, you're probably thinking should have been a final. And again, there was the, the big talking point was in the, the biggest one of the rumours this. Uh, transfer season actually is the signing of Antoine Griezmann from Atletico Madrid. It was con pretty much all but confirmed that he was going to be heading to to the Catalan Giants. And out of nowhere, rumours are that the, the, the powers that be, him talking the likes of Leo Messi and Luis Suarez, weren't happy about the signing. And apparently Barcelona pulled the plug on the on the signing and has left uh, Griezmann in uh, back at, at his at his old club still so it'll be interesting to see what they do there but yeah look they'll they'll look to strengthen um, particularly defensively uh, and they may and they'll look to offload perhaps some dead weight uh, I'm talking guys like Coutinho Samuel Umtiti who just haven't really 
become the players that Barcelona hope they'd become. Well, there's talks as well that um, Barcelona is threatening to take Atletico Madrid to court now after Griezmann um, pulled out of the deal. I mean, it hasn't just been from player unrest saying we don't want him here, but Barcelona saying that Atletico Madrid had gone back on the deal. Apparently, it was signed, sealed, and delivered. Well, see, I heard differently. I heard it was Atletico who was who was suing Barcelona. So, oh. not too sure what's going on there. But that's typical. This is typical when it comes to seven European football. Rumors are amiss and change every two minutes. If you, it's it's pretty much like a gossip column uh, working in media over in uh, in the southern capitals of. Uh, of Europe. Now, Lionel Messi had another amazing season this year. He did. Uh, 35 goals, um, you know, was again, and a lot of them absolute worldies as per usual, um, his score. But again, didn't quite get the, the Champions League, which was very disappointed with. Um, arguably a quiet season in his standards, but again, he was right up there and showed why he's the world's best. And he he, tie, he was tied for the assist this year, which is unusual for him. Yeah, he's tied with the assist with uh, Pablo Sarabia from Sevilla, who actually had a fantastic campaign um, and, has, and will again will be a player that many of the big big teams will have their eye on coming in the next coming months. There's a more trophy. Sorry, excuse me. There's a more trophy, yes, awarded the goalkeeper. It couldn't go to anyone else better than Jan Oblak of Atletico Madrid. He's one of the world's best at the moment. He's close to arguably being the world's best at the moment on form. And I don't, and I think, thoroughly deserved. Well, let's go from Spain. We're going to go to France for Ligue 1. And really, this has just become now the pair. Once upon a time, Ligue 1 used to be the most underrated league because you had the likes of six or seven teams that could genuinely win the competition. And now, say for the odd time when Monaco manages to get their act together and actually prove a competitive lineup, PSG just comes in and destroys everyone well, once again. Yeah. So it's, it has become a monopoly, this league, and it's really disappointing. Um, I have to commend sides like Lille, who finished in second, and Lyon, who finished in third, for really at, at least trying to push Paris all, all the way this year. But again, the, the quality that is Paris Saint-Germain, they're just too good for the, the sides that are lower down in this division. 105 goals scored. Yeah, they're just too much. And the, the problem is, is there's not enough quality in the defence in a lot of these sides now. And it's, when you've got guys like Kylian Mbappe and, and Neymar running out, yeah, it, you know, those guys are well beaters and they'll score, easily score 30 goals each a season. It's disappointing, but now, it's, it's how it's worked out. Now, there is obviously a lot of news coming through about what could be happening to Paris Saint-Germain. They are currently under investigation by UEFA. What's going on there? Well, they're under investigation for UEFA, like many sides in Europe at the moment, for the financial fair play rules. Uh, uh, as I like to call these rules, they're the most useless rules in the world. They don't ever stand. They, clubs barely ever have to follow them. They're very, very flimsy rules, but they are under investigation nonetheless. Um, they purchased Neymar a couple of years back, obviously, for a lot of money, the richest player in the world at the time. And then they brought in Kylian Mbappe, who for, I think, even bigger fee than, than Neymar. That, that apparently ticked him right off. Yeah, which probably, they, 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 there's quite a few egos out there in football. You would be, you would be surprised, and usually money is at the, at the, at the front load of it. But yeah, it, again, when you bring in two players like that for that kind of money and not have any kind of profits to show, it, it does prove that it's, 
it takes away the the natural element of football, and it's and it's disappointing, and it's and it's made this league difficult to watch. And this is considering as well that they've got two of the best, two of the best playmakers as well playing behind them in Edison Cavani and Angel Dia Maria. Yeah, look, Cavani, you know, the front man for a very number for a number of years now at PSG, obviously had to play second second fiddle to Zlatan Ibrahimovic for a while, and I think now has has looked very good in in front of goal. He's he's a veteran now, some would say he's. Beyond the age of 30, and then there's Di Maria, who returned after his disappointing spell at United a couple of seasons ago. Um, he's one of the yet again on his day. He could have been. He's, he's a well beater, Angel Di Maria. But again, they've got quality right across the park. This uh, this side, and you can this reason why they're under investigation for you know not playing by the financial rules. But that being said, they you know. When, if that will ever happen, who knows? And if it doesn't, then you'll see them dominating for years to come. Now, apparently, uh, there's already indications they could get away with it if they do a particular transfer and there's a club already sniffing around. Well, yes. Um, Newcastle, obviously, in the news last week after being bought by a, a consortium who is related to the uh, owner of Manchester City, uh, Sheikh Mansour. So his cousin, apparently, has bought the club. It's pretty much been confirmed that this is happening. They're becoming a, a, a very big club in Europe now, Newcastle, with that kind of cash injection. And uh, amazingly, uh, their number one target, well, I think it's he's everyone's number one target, Gillian and Pape, um, is, but Newcastle are actually at like the third best odds out of all the European giants uh, in the world. So... Um, Go figure. I mean, it's a, it's a dream, that's for sure. But uh, how they get away with it, I have no idea. But that would mean I don't think anybody, even if you weren't a Newcastle fan, would be too upset with Mbappe running around in the Premier League. Let's let's talk about Monaco because they've been up and down like a yo-yo throughout the league. You remember a couple of years ago, they almost got relegated. Then la- then um, I think last year or the year before, they won there. the competition. Well, they didn't. And then, yeah, they won it a few years ago and they yeah. got interjected. They had the cash injection after, you know, the, after the new owners and then they lost a lot of money and then they look like they're going to fall, and then they had a wave of talent come through with the likes of Bernardo Silva and Thomas Lamar, yeah. and uh, and so on for Falcao. Remember that Falcao, and then they've obviously lost those players this season, and they just absolutely sm- got smashed, finishing around 17th. They went through about two managers, I think. Thierry Henry went in to charge for a while, and then he quit after a. A couple of weeks and a, day, or a couple of games, and it didn't really work out for them. And again, they they managed to survive the relegation, but uh, who knows what will happen for them next year? Now um, we got a couple of um, surprises in terms of qualifying for cups. Rennes and Strasbourg picking up um, the cups themselves. So Rennes won the um, the Coupe the Coupe de France. Uh, they beat PSG six five on penalties after the game ended two all. They were down two 0 on that match as well. And then Strasbourg uh, won the Copa, the Copa de la Ligue. Uh, they beat Wingard 4-1 on penalties after the game, finished nil all. So for both clubs, that's the first time in a long time that both that they're going to Europe. Strasbourg in particular. Yeah, massive for, for Strasbourg. Actually, um, funnily enough, they cost me a multi once, so they're in my bad books. But uh, they uh, yeah, it's great to see that uh, we're going to have some different uh, sides coming into the league this year via the Cups. And it does show that if you do allow the cups to provide a source of qualification they it, you will see teams tr- 
take it seriously. Now, um, goal scorer, top goal scorer, no surprise, Kylian Mbappe scoring 33 goals, 11 clear of Nicolas Pepe, Edison Cavani finishing third. Um, but what a logjam right behind. Yeah, Moussa Zembele, Ramadan Falcar, a, a feature amongst that alongside Neymar, um, who, was, again, it's there is a wealth of attacking talent in the French League, so it's no surprise that you're going to see um, you know, so many individual players on the score sheet and on at the top there vying for that award coming into the season. Now, the three teams that have been uh, relegated came as a little surprise that Cannes would go down, given they just avoided the relegation playoff last year. Gwyn Cup, a catastrophic season. Their attack dropped by 50%. Yeah, really disappointing season for the Minnows there. They And they... Rightfully got releg- are being relegated this year, finishing with just 27 points for the campaign. Very disappointing. Um, a side like that not being able to continue <laughs> or stay in the league. It's disappointing because, you know, you want to see sides, smaller sides like that, stay in the league, prop it up, give it, as I said before, that natural feel. But unfortunately, we know league that's dominated by PSG is always going to be difficult. Well, let's talk about another league that's getting dominated by a team at the moment. It's the Italian Serie A, and Juventus have now won eight Scudetti in a row. Yeah, again, a really disappointing year for the Serie A in terms of the vying for the title. Again, I was really disappointed with uh, Napoli's efforts this season. Um, they weren't as – they're still they, – again, they've – after last year, they went very close to beating Juventus and really should have. And this year, they fell away again. Um, obviously, the signing of Ronaldo did Juventus a world of good. Um, and obviously, he wouldn't somewhat drag them towards the title again like he usually does, the, the machine that he is. But again, after that, though, it's a real... After that, Juventus and Napoli, it was a real tight affair for those remaining Champions League spots and, and Europa League spots. Uh, in the end, we have a return of um, an un... I think for the first time ever, or first time in a long, long time, Atalanta has going to be, will be playing Champions League if they qualify through the finishing third, along with Inter, who finished in fourth on the final day. AC Milan and Roma, my beloved Romas, will have to unfortunately stay for the have to just cop the Europa League for this season. And you'll coming. be and you'll be joined by Lazio, who won the um, the Coppa Italia. Yes, we will, unfortunately. So, unfortunately, uh, <laughs> yeah, indeed. Um, one of the things that's obviously been brought up around Juventus, um, they've gone through some sort of renewal. Bringing in Cristiano Ronaldo was a gamble, but it's been not only in terms of a, a trophy success, it's been uh, there, it's been a commercial success. Of course, they paid the transfer fee in Jersey sales alone, and they reckon they're going to be able to cover his wages for the next year and a half from Jersey sales once again. Yeah. Um, but there are dark times ahead for Juventus, and it's in the form of their defensive lineup. Yeah, look, they're going to obviously they've lost uh, Andrea Bazzagli. He's the first one to go of the of the three. Uh, the BBC. The BBC, the three titans of, uh, of Italian football at the back alongside Bonucci and Chiellini. Bonucci didn't have a great season this year in particular. Um, Chiellini was once again his same old self, best in the world at some times. But again, there's some age issues for a while now. Now they are starting to come to the foray. Buffon obviously has moved on. He moved over to PSG for a, a, probably a payday. And then, you know, if they lose these three, then, well, look, they're going to have to look elsewhere to buy players. But really, that's still not the biggest uh, exit from the club 
uh, this season. Indeed. Well, uh, of course, the news at the end of the season, uh, Massimo Allegri has announced he will not be re- um, signing a new contract with Juventus. Rumours are possibly off to um, Chelsea. Well, it would be an interesting... I mean, I wouldn't go to Chelsea if I was any manager with their pending transfer ban coming in. You'd have to... You'd have to be a young up-and-coming coach who didn't have uh, much on your resume to to go to go to Chelsea at the moment. But amazing to see that a man who had won the league is then not offered another year or another three years on his contract. Um, it'd be interesting to see. You'll see a lot of transfer movement from Juventus this season. No, absolutely no doubt going in. And obviously that'll that'll s- stem from whoever they bring in as their as their man at the top. Now, we know that the Serie A is known for a league that doesn't produce a lot of goals, but it's an old head that uh, topped the goal-scoring charts. It was, and he's earned himself an Italian t- team call-up as well for these next Euro qualifiers, and his name was Fabio Quagliarella, who scored 26 goals this season, three ahead of Duvan Zapata from Atalanta, and who have obviously fended off Christoph Piatek, uh, from Gen- Gen- first from Genoa and then moved over to AC Milan and obviously Cristiano Ronaldo was right behind them with Dries Mertens in tail alongside Cicero Immobile. And for the goal assist, there was a tie between Alejandro Gomez from Atalanta and the aforementioned Dries Mertens on 11 assists, one clear of Jose Calajon at Napoli and Suso at AC Milan. Um, Empoli and Frosinone will be going back down to Serie B. The surprise has been, and uh, you know, we love this club because they are. It's a tiny area in Verona. The suburb itself is only about five thousand people in there, but they have been in Serie A for quite a while. We are talking about Kiev or Verona, or as they're more affectionately known to everyone, the Flying Donkeys. The Flying Donkeys, yeah. Unfortunately, they'll be going back down into Serie B this uh, coming season. They had not particularly lit the world up this year. They're finishing on just 17 points with only two wins, 14 draws. That's immaculate, actually, 14 draws. That's where those majority of their points came from. In the end, it gets worse. It gets worse for them though as well. They were, um, they're gonna, they were deducted three points, and under the system that they have, they'll deduct the three points for false accounting. But because they got relegated, what does that mean for them? Well, excuse me. Well, because they got uh, rele- relegated. Uh, sorry, I've lost my um, my note here. Well, because I don't know, because of course they get relegated. They're gonna start next year with minus three. Well, that's obvious, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but. We've seen a team come back that we have not seen in years into the Serie A. Yes. And it's one we do, we do have a bit of affection we for. We do, and it is Brescia, who haven't been in the top flight for eight seasons, and even better, Lecce, also coming back. Real, real uh, throw, 90s throwback, those two sides. Oh, absolutely. For those of you who don't know, of course, Brescia became the home of the divine ponytail himself in Roberto Baggio. Uh, and, of course, the club that discovered... The uh, who we think is arguably the greatest midfielder of the 2000s in Andrea Pirlo. Yeah, both two clubs legendary for producing players, and it's great to see them back in the competition. Let's see how it'll be interesting to see how they go in in a somewhat uh, changed Serie A since they lost uh, into the competition. Well, and we should mention as well the promotional playoff is between Cittadella and Hellas Verona. Hellas Verona were relegated in 2015-16. Cittadella 
if they get up, this will be the first time they'll ever play in the Serie A and they'll break Kiev's record as the smallest club to have ever played in Serie A. That's half time here. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll finish off our preview of Euro- the review sorry, of European football right here on Splinters. It's time to hit the ice. You're all about caring Sydney Bears are back for the 2019 Australian Ice Hockey League season with all the speed, hits and goals that ice hockey is famous for. Buy a season ticket package to ensure you're not left out in the cold as your Bears rip and tear with the aim of going one better on last year to claim the 2019 Goodall Cup. Log on to bearsden.com.au for all your season ticket and merchandise options. And for the latest Bears news and updates, tune in to The Bench every Friday from 6pm. Sydney Bears, hear us roar. Sponsors of Triple H. Welcome back to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming live on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au. You can also catch us on wherever you get your good podcasts, iTunes. Of course, iTunes, Dom, it's, that's going soon. Well, yeah, we, we, we got it up there. I know our, our good friend and uh, and Lord Mayor, Keith Topolsky, put in a lot of effort trying to get it on the platform, and now it's, uh, now it's been gone, but uh, I think it's probably well past it's June 8th. Absolutely. And of course, we do this for Magpies Waitara and our good um, supporters at the Sydney Bears. And of course, just a reminder to everyone there that uh, in a couple of, in a few weeks' time, the bench will be calling its first ever game of ice hockey live. Yeah, it's uh, going to be an amazing uh, event, which I'm sure we'll all be involved in some way or somehow. Um, but again, stay tuned for, for, for podcasts on it. And of course, listen to our show on the Friday nights on uh, at around six o'clock to to, uh, hear more details about it in the coming weeks. Let's get back to our European football wrap and we're going to go to our next competition which is the German Bundesliga uh, and this is a competition that really has narrowed over the last few years. We've seen some genuine competition here. Bayern Munich won the uh, the Bundesliga that may come as no surprise to quite a lot of people but what does come as a surprise was that Borussia Dortmund pushed them all the way and even RB Leipzig um, gave them an absolute fright this year. Absolutely and uh, you, say, you, you mentioned Borussia Dortmund and they were a side that really should have won this tournament in the end they they let it slip they started so well Bayern Munich were all over the place they had were going nowhere and then Borussia Dortmund Hartley, halfway through the season just lost their legs and Bayern Munich they just did what they usually do and they just turned out wins and then it came down to actually the final day to decide the the division and Borussia Dortmund and Bayern Munich both won their games but with Bayern Munich already leading by two points they didn't need to they they did enough to, to win the league a very great season for Borussia Dortmund nonetheless to finish second and only two points behind them but you look down further at the sides like RB Leipzig and Bayer Leverkusen who finished on 66 points and 58 points respectively the gap is narrowing between Bayern Munich and the rest of the competition which is great to see because now we're, we're starting to see again the Bundesliga as a genuine competitive league um, and we should mention as well the teams that are going off to the uh, the Europa League Borussia Mönchengladbach uh, the Eastern uh, the Eastern German club they finished level with VFL Wolfsburg and another one that's gone through Antracht Frankfurt yeah they had a great season actually in the Europa League as well this season um, they'll be interesting to see how they go next season after already losing their talisman up front in uh, in Jokic uh, in Nikola Jokic but um, <coughs> or Jokic I should say excuse me um, but again great season for them finishing around 7th uh, Wolfsburg again it's great to see them back up there in Borussia Gladbach. They've been a mainstay of, around, of that 
that fifth spot for a number of seasons now. And but the, as I said, we mentioned the days of the Bayern Munich running away. It's gone. I mean, they've still got the uh, the best one of the best goal scorers in the competition in uh, Robert Lewandowski, who scored 22 goals this year. But it has to be said, we are starting to see a real changing of the guard. Of course, Ribery will no longer be at the um, the the club. I think Wesley Schneider is um, is gone as well. He was gone a couple uh, of seasons couple ago. Of seasons and we ago. lose and I lose Iron Robin as well. Iron Robin as well as the other one. So, so yeah, there'll be a real changing of the guard. There's no doubt that uh, this is another big club that you you will see this coming transfer market really spend big to bring in some really quality players. Um, they're already trying to line up. Uh, uh, a few um, quite uh, talented players. One on their list at the moment is Leroy Sane, which from Manchester City. So you'll see it might be interesting to see if he goes over there and becomes a big name and becomes the big star that I personally believe that he can he could become in the world of football. Well, I heard some rumour as well that they're even targeting Kevin De Bruyne as well. But how would they handle with those two in the team? Well, look, they're, they're, I don't think Manchester City would part with Kevin De Bruyne. He's there. He's there. He's, he's their main creative midfielder. Um, he's been their mainstay in that side for a number of seasons. And But, yeah, the, I definitely think you, you could see Leroy Sane getting there, especially if they offered him consistent football week in, week out, um, instead of under Pep Guardiola, where he t- tends to either start or come off the bench uh, 50-50 throughout the season. A couple of names uh, popping up there. We mentioned Robert Lewandowski topping the goal-scoring charts ahead of uh, Paco Alcacer from uh, Borussia Dortmund. A five-way tie for third with 17 goals, including get some of these names into you um, Kai Havertz Marco Rias a very well known name from Borussia Dortmund you mentioned Luka Jovic from Antrax Frankfurt the goal assist Jaden Sancho um, the Englishman yeah um, a big surprise there topping the goals the goal assist with 14 yeah he had a massive season the young Englishman and really made himself a, a, a present to the world and showed that uh, you know and almost as you've now could say has opened up a pathway for English players to finally travel overseas and play in teams in other competitions and instead of being Stark in England and in the in the reserves or on the bench because they can't get game time over the more let's say flamboyant European players that tend to uh, take up positions in the English Premier League sides nowadays. Um, he had a fantastic season and was again one of the shining lights in British Dortmund's season, despite the fact that they you know threw away the the division title. Now the two teams that got promoted last year, Dom, they're getting relegated um, straight back down. Yeah, going down uh, this year, you've got Hanover ninety six and uh, Nuremberg who came straight back up which leaves uh, Stuttgart uh, to play off so even the Bundesliga the way it works and it's something I've argued before is how the A-League should introduce it the 16th place side in the Bundesliga will go down but will face the side that comes up from the division, second division below third place third place yeah. so they'll play off there so that playoff has occurred and they lost that to Union Berlin um um, this is their first ever visit to the Bundesliga. Yep, first ever visit to the Bundesliga for the uh, for the Minos. I'm really excited to see what they can do this year. But um, again, it tends to be a trend in Bundesliga, quite the same with sides coming up. They go straight back down. But definitely see, you know, <clears throat> you know, great to see them in the in the competition for the first time ever uh, after their triumphant win. Um, 
on penalties. But so hopefully they can get the job done and you know get into the Bundesliga. Let's go to a, let's go to a competition you and I are big fans about. We have raps on this all the time. It is the Dutch Eredivisie, and one of the real success stories this year across European football: Ajax Amsterdam. They won the Eredivisie by three points over PSV Eindhoven. Um, but it's the style that they play, the goals that they've scored this year. It has just been. It's it was a hark back to the days of old for Ajax. It really was. It was incredible watching them, and actually, it was in some ways their downfall when it came to the second leg of that Champions League when they led three 0 and were were overtaken by well, led by three goals, I should say, and were taken by Tottenham in the end. But the way they played it, the goals that they were scored um, were just fantastic. One of your old boys. Dusan Tadic had a, a great season in the Dutch capital this year and uh, he's lucky for them I think he'll stay for another year um, despite the fact they're going to be losing some of their key players from this squad that was uh, so damaging in 2018 and 2019 well you know one of the things that we, we mentioned before we mentioned during our halfway stage uh, talking about how the Eredivisie Divisier fell on hard times uh, they've gone back to what they do best and they've, they've reopened up their academies in a big way and Ajax have now produced this this whole squad of young kids that have come through and have absolutely done wonders. Yeah, and they've produced stars before that as well, but they really, and you know, it's it's a great business strategy now for clubs that don't have the money like that aren't owned by, you know, billionaire oil owners anymore, you know, to, to make money via these young stars and tap into a market um, because... It's it you know it creates you know it creates a culture at their club as well that they're bringing in players that you know start from the bottom and come all the way up and they make such good money money off it in a, in a football market which is now becoming very competitive. Now we should mention, of course, you did mention Luke um, Luke De Jong, who topped the shared first place for most goals in the season with um, Dusan Tadic, um, but. What people don't know about uh, De Jong in particular uh, is a certain relation he had playing over in uh, in Australia. Yeah, so uh, Sean De Jong, who had been on loan this year at Sydney FC, is actually his older brother. So uh, probably having different uh, careers right now. But uh, Luke, of course, off off to um, off to Barcelona, yeah. uh, and Sean De Jong is uh, on his way back to uh, the Netherlands with his um, with his um, loan period. Finish. Um, they finished uh, incredible. De Jong and Tadic finished nine goals clear of third place. Adrian uh, Dalmo was a bottleneck back, but what this is a really great thing to see is a number of Dutch superstars coming back and finishing their careers here. And geez, there are some names in that. Yeah, in that starting it off, Robin van Persie, uh, the the former Arsenal and Manchester United star. He came back. It actually had a really good season for Feyenoord. And then Klaus Donutola, um, he's been. I mean, coming back a couple of seasons ago now. Um, who's you know again was a you know former Real Madrid striker at his time. And then Sam Sam Levers, who came back for Hero Naveen. Um, now, Tadic has a season, remember, he shared the top spot for goal assists with 13 assists with teammate uh, Hakim Ziyech and one clear of a three-way tie with 12 assists between Steven Berhuis, Steven Berwin and Abdenazar El Kayati um, from ADO Den Haag, one of the real surprise packages this year. And it's just really showing the, the surprise of some of the uh, the players here. The other one we should mention, it's another Dijon, Frankie Dijon. Um, he's another one one is off to um, to Barcelona and um, really it's they, I think 
the Eredivisie needs to accept that they are now going to become a buying, uh, sorry, a selling competition. Yeah, I think it's been a selling competition for a number of years, but I don't think that it's uh, necessarily a bad thing. You know, like if you want, they, they can almost do a Dortmund. Dortmund was a similar, Ajax can, Dortmund were a similar club where they started off, they bought all this young talent through, then they sold it off and then they used that money to buy decent players to stay at the club and build from there. You, and you saw the same thing, Tottenham did the same thing in the Premier League. They worked on their talent or they found talent, young talent to come play with the club, sold them for bigger money and then have brought in players that love playing for the club who are, well, who are world class. It works. Um, the battle to avoid relegation, NAC Breda was uh, relegated after finishing with only 23 points. Um, you know, the, the shock, they, they did well. Um, a couple of shocks from last year. PSV not only won the competition last year, FC Twente and Sparta Rotterdam. Yeah. Huge clubs going, went down last year, but this year... Two of those clubs have come straight back up. Yeah, twenty is uh, is kind of comes slow, is coming straight back up, and they're a big side, you know, um, in the world of Dutch in, in Dutch football. So it's great to see them come back up. And uh, Sparta Rotterdam also getting um, coming up um, over De Graafschap, and they beat the Go Ahead Eagles. Get that? <laughs> this is a very Dutch name, but uh, Sparta Rotterdam and Twente coming back up. Great to see them back in the uh, in the competition like next year. Let's go to the Champions League we're going to go group by group and then we're going to go through the um, then we're going to go through the knockout phase let's start off Group A yeah Group A look it was uh, it was no surprises that Borussia Dortmund and Atletico tied the group uh, Dortmund, Dortmund did take first place on head to head goal difference um, and again it came with Group B no surprise there Barcelona won the group but it was a battle uh, for second place which really heated up between Tottenham and Internacional note here that the eventual Champions League finalists were actually last with three games to go yeah. and picked up the points that they needed with Inter falling in a heap in the back end of the season uh, or the back end of the group stage and Matt Tottenham went through in second place. Group C identified as one of the groups of death and uh, but it was no surprise that PSG would win it but uh, geez, the battle for second place. Yeah, between Liverpool and Napoli and this really could have changed Liverpool's season. Again, another Italian side that... Uh, Really fell flat on their heels. They had they were had the advantage over Liverpool in this competition, and then just couldn't see it out. And then on the final day, Liverpool got the result they needed over PSG, uh, three two win at Anfield to knock Napoli out and send them back to the Europa League in finishing third. And then obviously, as we know, they went on to achieve great success. Group D, no surprises. No, Porto won the group. Uh, Schalke, Schalke was comfortably in second ahead of Galatasaray. Um, they only disappointed, which was, a, you know, the only shining line of disappointing season for Schalke though. Group B, the second group of death. Yeah, Bayern Munich uh, just got home first over Ajax with Benfica not far behind, uh, forcing them into Europa League. Um, the only thing that could be expected on the group was Aeki Athens uh, getting a thanks for coming award. And what did they do to achieve that? Oh, getting zero points from six matches. That is a, that is a thanks for coming award. Um, group F, no surprises once again. Yeah, Manchester City won that group by some distance, but the battle was always going to be on for second place between Leon and Shakhtar Donetsk. 
but it was Leon who got the job done uh, and, and to the disappointment as well as 1898 and 1898 Hoffenheim group, uh, group G Group G no surprise again Real Madrid won that group as before the, the second place battle but it was Roma who came out on top of the second place battle as they should do um, sending Victoria Prison and CSK Moscow down now you would say on the on the talent of the clubs you would normally say well that should just be a fait accompli but it, what people don't realise it's never an easy trip over to Eastern Europe for some of these games no. especially against CSK and Moscow no it's a very difficult place to play they play on the artificial grass it's cold and it's a ruckus environment when you go over there oh it can get feral so it's you know it, it can be very daunting for clubs um, and then in Group H it was always going to be a two horse race for this yep, one between Juventus and Manchester United which was won by Juventus in the end despite Manchester United getting a surprise uh, win over in Turin um, with that was back when Jose Mourinho was in charge uh, Valencia comfortably took third place uh, of the uh, so we went to the end of the round of 16 and um, there was one massive shock that came through and then a minor shock that came through after yeah, that. Yeah, well, the big shock were first was Ajax. They tore Real Madrid to shreds, 4-1 at home and then went on to win the tie 5-3 after picking up a couple, picking up a, an all-important 3-1 win, I think it was, in Spain to send Real Madrid crashing out. But then... Just when you thought it couldn't <laughs> stop, this happens. Yeah, Manchester United, with under the wave of uh, success of their new manager, Ali Gunnar Solskjaer, they did the unthinkable. They, after losing their first leg... 3-0. 2-1. 2-1, sorry, yeah. 2-1. Um, they went on to then beat PSG. I think it was 3 one in the capital in the in Paris, uh, a lucky penalty decision towards the final few minutes, and was slotted away by Marcus Rashford and PSG once again, showing that they are the the current bottle bottle artists of this. Uh, oh God, aren't they ever? Um, the quarterfinals. Well, Tottenham uh, pulled off the first uh, stunner. They beat Manchester City on an away goals after a frantic three all finish. In uh, in the at the Etihad after they won the first leg one nil, but then the next big surprise, Ajax got the job done over Juventus, um, which was amazing. Juventus had two nil, and then Ajax came back to win to score three goals um, to you know, put the the Italian giants to the sword. And in Barcelona, well, that wasn't so much of a su- surprise. They ended Manchester United run and Liverpool trounced Porto. Semi-finals and a couple of dramatic matchups here. Yeah, well, incredible, really. Both the English sides who were going into the game somewhat underdogs. Ajax, uh, obviously, after their incredible form, Tottenham, you know, would really just sort of scraping through this competition. Um, but that remained to be seen. They, after trailing what was, I think, two nil, three nil on aggregate with thirty minutes to go. In uh, in Amsterdam, they pulled off a miracle, scoring three goals in 30 minutes to send themselves through to the final of the Champions League. And then the last one, well, this one was just as amazing. After going down 3-0 at the New Camp, Liverpool scored four back at Anfield to send Barcelona packing again and send them packing for a second consecutive year after they 
were leading by 3-0 the Catalan Giants. And what does that say about Barcelona? The, um, the, the form that they have in Spain is, is absolutely undoubted. But what does that say about their ability to actually perform outside of Spain? Yeah, look, they, they can perform outside of Spain. They've won many Champions Leagues. But what shows is that they, they do struggle to defend. And they always have. And that if you can attack Barcelona and if you can, especially now that they don't have the likes of Xavi and Iniesta in that squad anymore, if you can man-mark Messi out of the game with two players, then you can give Barcelona headaches. And that, that of course, would be achieved with one of the best defenders in the world at the moment in Virgil van Dijk. Exactly right. Exactly right. Excuse me. Uh, Liverpool thoroughly deserve to go through to the final. And um, we, we, we were building up two teams that, you know, had, had monster runs to come through some absolutely massive upsets and then we get this for a final yeah look it wasn't the greatest final um, it reminded me quite a lot of the Inter Milan Bayern Munich final back in I think it was 2010 now um, the early goal which I asked for at the start of the game I think it needed it uh, just to make sure that the game didn't remain cagey um, and yet still did still did unfortunately but the the penalty whether or not it was a penalty it was a, I think it was a harsh call I think it was the right call but it was harsh that early in the game but you can't have your arm out like that Mr. Suzuko I think he's unlucky he's actually pointing his arm's like it's out in an unnatural position because he was pointing at his defender to move to to track the run yeah and because he was pointing that's when the ball came and hit him and it came off his chest and hit his arm so I did feel sorry for him it was really bad luck he didn't deserve to go but again the final goal to Divoccarini the substitute um, who also got the the double at Anfield against Barcelona, uh, proving too much for Spurs, who just didn't have enough on the day to get past Liverpool. And then the the, the questionable decision about picking um, Harry Kane ahead of Lucas Moura, considering well, his form. Harry Kane is the captain of the club. Um, he is, despite having not played for a long time, being injured. It was interesting. Lucas Moura had had a great Champions League campaign, but you can't not pick Harry Kane on his day. He offers a different threat to defences that I think, had he not been there, people would have questioned the decision not to play him if he was fit. So I think the Bocchino made the right call at the time. But yeah, look, I don't think that really changed it too much. I just think Spurs just didn't have enough in the tank in the end, and Liverpool did. Going to um, Europa League and um, Group A and Group B, both no real surprises. Yeah, comfortable uh, qualifications for Bayer Leverkusen and Zurich, uh, who finished up in second. And Group B? Uh, Red Bull Salzburg uh, took a perfect record of 18 points from six matches with uh, Celtic just behind them. Uh, so Chelsea just getting in front of RB Leipzig in second place. Group C was a group of death and uh, what a couple of club, what a couple of big clubs playing in this one. Yeah, Zenit St. Petersburg and Slavia Prague managed to get the job done, but Bordeaux was also amongst this uh, group and they were just a win behind them and finished in third spot. Group D, both Group D and Group E, no real surprises. Uh, Dinamar Zagreb won the group of 14 points. Seven Arche got in in second and in Group E, Arsenal and Sporting Lisbon comfortably won the group. Um, Arsenal was taking our first place in that one. Let's t- let's talk Group F because this was the shock. Yeah, with, well, with Real Batista and Olympiacos getting over the top of European heavyweights, AC Milan Milan on goal difference. That's massive. Uh, AC Milan did not have a great European campaign, and especially at that point in the season when the groups won, they weren't having a good campaign at all before Christmas. And of course, that's uh, resulted in uh, Gennaro got 
to us all getting the uh, the chop. Yeah, it did. It did. Um, Group G, always no surprises. Yeah, Villarreal, uh, Europa League uh, mainstay. And Rapid Vienna uh, went through top in the group and they were head-to-head on points. Group H, again, no no surprise. Yeah, I took Frankfurt and we spoke about them before. Obviously, in the Bundesliga had a great campaign and in the Europa League as well. They won every single one of their games possible um, and it was finishing just in front of Lazio, who took second place. Now, well, of course, we had the group of life. We always love it. We love this one, the one where you just got four random clubs. Anyone can yep, win this I one. I love this. It's true. It was Genk that snuck home. Um, first place over Malmo, uh, the, the Norwegian-based club, um, who managed to get in front of Bastikas. Uh, group J, no surprise. Yeah, Sevilla, they're another team that always do well in this competition. They took out the group comfortably, but they had to do it the hard way, winning the group on head-to-head goal difference over Krasnodar from Turkey. Uh, group K, um, no, two clubs expected to go through. Got a bit of a fright from a minnow club. Yeah, well, Dimino, Kiev and Renes were expected to go through, and they did, but like you said, they were pushed all the way by FC Astana and from Kazakhstan, who finished uh, in third, but gave a real good crack. And finally, Group L. Yeah, Chelsea won the group easily, and this one, uh, uh, it was a race for second with Bate Borisov uh, getting in the final spot to qualify. And of course, a long way to go for this one here, but we're going to go straight to the final, of course, which was really, unfortunately, a one-sided affair. Uh, Chelsea absolutely dominating Arsenal. Yeah, it's um, it was a disappointing final in the end. At halftime, you thought maybe we'd see... Uh so uh, get, go, go to penalties because it was getting really cagey but then the first goal from Chelsea really opened the game up and, it, and from there it, um, it just went uh, it just went one way and that was all blue and it was off the back of their what will be their departing star Eden Hazard who left uh, rightfully with a trophy let's go into the your crystal ball how does first off how does Real, Real Madrid rebuild for next year well look they'll bring in Eden Hazard this season I think there's no doubt about that now he'll go um and he needs, like I said, I think he's going at the right time with, with about three or four years left on his in, in his peak. Um, he'll do wonders for them. He's, he'll be their new Ronaldo. They still need um, they need a new goalkeeper. Uh, Typical Courtois has just not done a good enough job at the the Galacticos this seat after going from Chelsea this year. I'm still got questions over potentially the positions of Luka Modric and, and Tony Cruz, in particular Tony Cruz. Not a particularly fantastic season. And yeah, they, they do need to sign, I think, uh, you know, another selfless, selfish star like Ronaldo, someone who will go on and drive for success. And, you know, you can only look as far as guys like Killian and Pape who could do that. We expect them to spend big this summer on who remains to be seen, but I think their first signing off the bat will be Eden Hazard. Is this the year you've Will this year be the year you've just finally get knocked off the perch at the top of Serie A? Uh, I don't think so. Not as long as Ronaldo's there. Uh, I think while Ronaldo's there, they're all still good. They're still they're still going to be solid. Be interesting to see now what ha- will happen more at the back for them, but uh, they'll be able to their defenders, especially now that they've lost Pizzagli. I know they have Benatia there who's done a great job for them, but it'll be interesting to see how they can cope with those aging stars eventually leaving. And uh, what do you think will come about the investigation into Manchester City and PSG with the FFP? I don't think there'll be a lot of it, to be honest with you. I think it's a lot of smoke and mirrors at the moment. I think your wife is being forced to act because a lot of other clubs have started to complain now that uh, they've been, you know, breaching the system. Um, but it, uh, this is ever to happen. It, it's going to, it'll be an amazing shock to the world that UEFA actually stands up to the big boys for once. 
Um, and if it comes, it comes. I don't think, but with two sides like this, I don't think it'll affect Manchester City too much. You know, they've got an amazing squad with so much depth. But I think it could really affect PSG if they are to be attacked. But I don't think much will come of it. Now, well, there goes the referee's whistle, which means it is full time here on Splinters. I want to thank the Italian stallion, Don Rosetta, for joining me uh, for our journey across the European footballing world. Thank you, sir. It's been a pleasure to talk all things football with you through 2018 and 2019. And what's great about this competition is, is that in about a couple of months, we'll be back talking all the same things once again. Absolutely. Make sure you join us once again on Splinters, uh, the bench podcast here on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming live on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au. You can download us at podcast.com, iTunes while it's still up and running, Samsung Play, or the TuneIn Radio app. Should be a great um, summer coming up uh, through here. We'll uh, hopefully have a preview coming up soon where we'll look into go back and look into football for next year and also have a particular aim towards the Euro 2020. Should be a great competition there. Until next time, on behalf of the Italian Stallion, Don Brizzuto, I'm Anthony Caruso, and it's goodbye for now. Thank you.